the comparing yourself to images you might see on social media, to the bombardment of news 24 seven. Um, I think it's also the pace of society, all of these things chip away at something that's so essential, which is really us taking the time to slow down, listen to our hearts, tap into whatever our highest values are, and then live those and share those with the world. there. Thank you for tuning in to Beauty Radio Network's Lifestyles, the podcast where I interview interesting people doing interesting things. This is your host, Deanna. And on today's episode, speaking of interesting people, my guest is Cindy Warren. Cindy is a lawyer, a certified yoga and meditation teacher, and an author. And today, we're going to be exploring Cindy's book, Radiate, using the practice of yoga to cultivate your inner shine. Cindy is going to be sharing with us a side of yoga you may not know about. If you believe that yoga is just what happens on a yoga mat in a one-hour session of downward dog and child's pose, then you're missing out on something much more. Cindy is a lawyer by trade, but a yoga teacher by passion. And her goal is to make the entire system of yoga accessible to individuals looking for a more satisfying and rewarding way to live. She began learning yoga in 2003 at a time in her life when she was dealing with some challenging transitions. While she was first drawn to the physical practice, it was the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the tradition that kept her coming back again and again. Her yoga practice helped her develop the skills to navigate life's challenges with more grace and acceptance. She's here today with us to share her knowledge with you, so stay tuned in because you're not going to want to miss out on what Cindy has to say. The links to Cindy's website and her book are located in the show notes. You can click on those links and explore Cindy's book while listening to today's episode. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Cindy on. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Cindy Warren. Hello, Cindy, and thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Beauty Radio Network. I'm so excited to have you here. I think we're going to have a great show today. Thank you, Deanna. I'm so excited to be here with you. So, Cindy, today we're going to talk about your book. Uh, The title of your book, is it Ready 8? Am I saying that right? It's actually, it's Radiate. So it's sort of a play on the word. Got you. Okay, well, that's clever. Now, just so the listeners know what we're talking about, it's spelled R-A-D-I and then the number 8. Radiate using the practice of yoga to cultivate your inner shine. Wow, brilliant, powerful words. Now, we're going to go over some of the really strong points in the book. But first, before we get into your book, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself personally? I mean, are you a married lady? Do you have children? Tell us a little bit about Cindy. 
Yeah, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. I live just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I'm in my mid-30s, happily married, going on 15 years. I have a daughter who is a sophomore in high school, officially as of today, and two older stepchildren as well. Great. Now, in your book, or maybe I read it in your bio, you said something I found extremely interesting. You said that you were a lawyer by trade, but a yoga teacher by passion. Can you tell us why you're so passionate about yoga? Absolutely. I discovered yoga just as a student of the practice about 15 years ago and fell in love with it, saw transformative effects in my own life, within myself, and within my relationships with with others. And that has really only deepened over the last decade and a half. It's become just such a huge part of my life. And I was very immersed as simply a student of the practice, both physically and the philosophical aspects of yoga for well over a decade before I ever thought about becoming a teacher. And now that I have been a teacher for several years, I'm equally passionate about sharing the beauty and the wisdom of the practice with with others. Yes. And you know, Yoga is one of those things that I've always wanted to do. I don't know why I've never done it, but I've always thought about doing it. But up until I read your book, I just didn't even realize that it had a philosophical part. So now, Cindy, I know this is your first book, but Cindy, why did you decide to write this book and who did you write this book for? Absolutely. Sort of like what you just said, Deanna, I feel like most of the students that I teach, and most of the practitioners I've met over my years of practice don't know that yoga is more than physical exercise. And I could spend all day talking about the physical benefits of the practice. It's an amazing way to move your body and stay supple and flexible as we age. Um, But really, what I was interested in sharing was the parts of the practice that are either not well-known or really not known at all, which are the ethics, the philosophy, the mindfulness, the meditation, the self-love and compassion, and the things that even more than the physical practice affect how we sort of move through our days in the world. Absolutely. A great idea for writing a book. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the chapters in your book. Uh, Let's first start with chapter one, Yamas which is honoring the world around us. Can you tell us about that? What is Yamas? Absolutely. And maybe I can just preface this by explaining this ties into the title of the book, Radiate, which is spelled R-A-D-I and then the number eight. Uh, Yoga is an eight-part path. In in the literature, it's referred to as an eight-limbed path. So the physical practice is is literally just one-eighth of what we consider yoga. The first limb is yamas. These are ethical constraints that relate to how we interact with the world around us. And they're sort of guideposts for living a good, happy, compassionate, kind life. So for example, there are five of them. Um, The first one is considered the most important of all the ethical precepts of yoga. Uh, It's pronounced ahimsa in Sanskrit. And it translates as nonviolence. So it's actually very interesting because you might think nonviolence. I don't 
kill people. I don't punch people. I don't kick dogs. Got this one covered. What's the next one? But it's actually, if you study it a little bit deeper, um, it's almost like peeling back the layers of an onion. It applies to how you move through the world with not just actions, but words, and even at the level of thoughts. So are you kind and loving in your thoughts, not just toward others, but also toward yourself? And it becomes a really interesting way to sort of cultivate a more peaceful, uh, um, healthy relationship with yourself, which is where all of our relationships in the world start. All right. So you talk about yamas, but you also talk about nayamas. What is the difference between, so what is the difference between nayamas and yamas? Nayamas. That's the second of the eight limbs. And those are an additional five ethical precepts, if you will. And they relate to how we interact with ourselves. So while um, there's a lot of overlap between the yamas and the niyamas, but the yamas tend to um, traditionally have a more external focus, whereas the niyamas have a more internal focus. So then yamas is the world around you and how you relate to it. And niyamas is your inner world. Is that correct? Absolutely. That's correct. Did you have something else you wanted to say? I'm sorry. I hope I didn't cut you off. I was just going to share one of the niyamas that really speaks to me and I, I talk about a lot with my students. It's called svadhyaya. And the Sanskrit, you can take it or leave it. Anyone listening to this doesn't have to know the Sanskrit. It means self-study. And it's simply a practice of introspection and self-awareness. And it's something that is, in my mind, really a critical piece of the yoga journey and then integrating the lessons we learn in yoga into our lives outside of the yoga studio or mat or in whatever venue you might practice. Wow, I just didn't know that yoga had a spiritual side or a self-awareness side. So now, are there different types of yoga? There are as many types of yoga as, as you can count. Um, the philosophy that I based Radiate on is laid out in really what's considered the preeminent text of all yoga philosophy. It speaks very little to the physical practice. It's really more about what is yoga in the larger context, and it's called the Yoga Sutras. Um, it dates back thousands and thousands of years. But if we look at physical yoga, there are more types than, than you can imagine. So yes, absolutely. And now for some of the listeners out there, including myself, this may seem a little overwhelming, but Cindy's book explains things in detail, and it's a very easy book to read. I found the book fascinating, and I learned a lot just by reading the book. It was very well written, and I enjoyed the book a lot. Oh, glad to hear that. <laughs> okay, let's jump over to chapter four, because I found chapter four to be pretty powerful. And now in chapter four, you talk about the breath being a powerful metaphor for expressing our emotions. And I found that intriguing, and I want to hear more about that. You talk about something called pranayama. Am I saying that right? Yes, yes, it's pranayama. pranayama. So if you've hmm. ever been, um, or any of your listeners have ever been to a yoga class, the physical practice, you'll notice that we work to link breath with movement. But pranayama is also its own limb and stands on its own. If you ever notice that you're feeling anxious and then you stop 
and check in with your breath, you're likely to notice that it's more in the region of your chest. It's shallow. You're not exhaling for longer than you're inhaling. It's probably a pretty shallow breath. And that affects um, our nervous system in a very significant way, which has a direct impact on our emotions. So when we can learn to slow down the breath and even manipulate the breath in various ways, there are many techniques of breath work and breath control, um, you can manipulate how you're feeling. So if you ever notice you're really consumed with almost panic, anxiety, negative feelings, if you were to sit down, lengthen your spine, close your eyes, and take three deep rounds of inhales and exhales, you would immediately notice a shift in the nervous system, in your emotions. Um, it's amazing how quickly we can switch how we are feeling in any given moment. And now I read somewhere that if you just took a little bit of time, like say four times a day, and you did some deep breathing, it would be not only helpful for your emotions, but also very helpful for your body. It's almost like detoxing the body. In this particular article, they recommended that you breathe through your mouth. They sh shared some techniques for breathing through the mouth. But I've heard various um, various opinions on that. Some people say to breathe through the nose. What are your thoughts about that? So in pranayama techniques in yoga, it's mostly through the nose. There are a few techniques where you'll exhale through the mouth. But pranayama or breath control is a way to build energy in the body, healthy energy that energizes at the same time it relaxes and at the same time it detoxes. It's through the nose. Right. Yeah. And it, it does work because I feel anxious a lot of times. And if I stop for a minute and just take some deep breaths, I, I, I realize that the anxiety dissipates. It's amazing how quickly it, that works. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. It, it's amazing. If I had the time, I'd go through all the chapters, but since we have a limited amount of time, I want to share with the audience one of my other favorite chapters, and that has to do with the chakras. Chapter 9, The Seven Chakras. I found it so fascinating. Yes. <laughs> yes. And in your book, you say, you say that the seven chakras are not only real, but they're also very important for our overall health and well-being. Would you explain the chakras to us and the color that they relate to? Absolutely. There are seven chakras, and chakra is simply an energy center in the body. So they're, they lay along the spine, starting at the tailbone and reaching all the way up to the crown of the head. And each one is associated with different body systems. Each one has a different color. Um, associated with it. They all have Sanskrit and English names. And there, there is the belief that in the physical practice of yoga, one of the things that you do, so it's a physical practice, it's an energetic practice, it's a breath practice, but it's also a way to open up and clear stuck energy and lead to a healthy and balanced chakra system. The first chakra sits at the tailbone it is called, in, I'll just use the English terms, the root chakra, mm -hmm. and it's considered red. And this is sort of if you're feeling ungrounded or um, a little too scattered, your root chakra may be out of balance. And we can 
come into that one really just by sitting down, rooting our sitting bones to the earth or a chair or a yoga mat, and then all the way down to our root chakra. So that's, that's the first one. The second one is um, called the sacral chakra. It sits at the low back and the abdomen, and it's orange. Um, this chakra is considered to be concerned with personal relationships. So um, whereas the first chakra deals more with almost tribal, familial, the things that really begin our journey on this earth, the second one is more of a, how's your relationship with this person or that person? The next chakra is located at the solar plexus, which is the space between the navel and ribs. Um, this one is called, in English, it's generally just referred to as the solar plexus chakra, Manipura in Sanskrit. And this chakra is bright golden yellow. It's considered the home of your personal power. So those bottom three chakras primarily concern your relationship with others and the world around you including that solar plexus one, even though it's about your personal power, it's how you exercise your personal power in the world. And then, so interesting, that fourth chakra is the heart chakra, and this one is, um, is considered blue. This is really where we start to move from the external world into an internal focus. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The, this, the heart chakra is a vibrant green. Yeah, that's what I thought it said in your book. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Glad I caught that. It yeah. talks about and is concerned with your willingness and ability to follow your heart. So moving from a mindset of what do others expect of me than what is my heart telling me. Now, interestingly enough, in my own practice, which is facials, we always start a facial massage with our hands across, resting across the client's heart. This is supposed to help the client relax and connect with us. Oh, that is that so connects. lovely. Yeah, that connects you to the client. So absolutely. I can imagine it does. The next chakra is the fifth one. This is the throat chakra. This is the chakra that is blue. Um, this is considered to be the home of communication and self-expression. So when we think about how we communicate with others, how we express our beliefs, our most heartfelt desires with the world around us, that's throat chakra territory. Um, the next chakra, the sixth one, is located at the third eye center, which is the space just between and a little bit above the eyebrows in the middle of the forehead. And this is indigo colored. The, the sixth chakra, Ajna in Sanskrit, is considered to be the home of intuition and internal wisdom. And you probably can sense into that just when you think of colloquial uses, uses of the term third eye, it's sort of the, home of the intuition. All right. Yeah. And again, it's really tied into um, an inward aspect of the spiritual journey, which is what yoga is primarily concerned with. So that's the sixth. The last one sits at the crown of your head. This is considered the home of your spiritual enlightenment. It's violet in color, and it's called the crown chakra. So that it sort of represents the connection between us and the divine, however we conceive of that, whether it's just simply a connection to the world around us, connection to other beings on the planet, connection to our higher self. Um, that is our crown chakra. 
Yeah, after reading your book, I realized that yoga has a lot to do with meditation. And you're right, not many of us are aware of that. It does. I think meditation is, it's a far more significant part of this thing we call yoga than physical practice is. Um, and it's, it is widely considered like the reason for my ninth chapter was, okay, well, so we've got these eight limbs. What about the chakras? They seem to be ubiquitous in images and um, media representations of yoga. So what are they and how do they relate to the eight limbs? And you really can find them in any of the limbs. Um, it is considered to be a fact that the physical practice, the breath work, and meditation they all relate to opening up the chakras. But yeah, meditation and mindfulness is a huge part of the yoga practice. And you see it gaining more and more traction and publicity in modern society. You also see more and more scientific studies coming to light showing the health benefits of meditation, even the anti-aging benefits of meditation. I think it's a really fascinating time to be engaged in this kind of spiritual or contemplative work. Exactly. It's fascinating. And uh, your book was so enlightening. So now if I were to go and take a yoga class somewhere, would I be getting all this information? Would I be practicing the spiritual aspects of it? Or would I just be learning the positions? It depends where you practice yoga and who your teacher is. Okay. So in, in for example, a 60-minute vinyasa style class that's the physical kind of yoga that i teach that's a flowing mm -hmm. breath and movement style um you're going to when i teach a class i touch on all of this stuff without necessarily naming it mm -hmm. so i will speak to mindfulness i will speak to self-compassion i will speak to being alignment in your body and your heart um but the students won't necessarily know oh now we're talking about the seventh limb of yoga which is blah 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 It'll be sort of woven in there. I think there are a lot of teachers out there. Um, the majority of teachers that I've encountered as a student of the physical practice really just speak to the physical practice. Right. And there's a tremendous amount of value in that too. Um, but for someone who's looking for the deeper part of the yoga practice, I think it's important to find a skilled and knowledgeable teacher. Right, right. What are some of the obstacles that yoga can help us overcome? What are some of the benefits? In terms of physical obstacles, it can absolutely enable us to be more mobile, supple, flexible, strong as we move through the years and the decades. And I do credit my yoga practice with, I'm now in my mid-40s, and um, my just fitness level and mobility is, is not typical of someone in their mid-40s, I think, because of yoga. Um, and I personally look forward to being able to get up and down and sit and stand and take care of myself in my most basic physical needs, you know, for the next several decades. So that, that's one way that's, that's um, probably the most tangible. I think yoga, for me, um, I hope this doesn't sound too out there, but the biggest gift the practice has given to me on a more personal level is the ability to just create space in my life. So as a lawyer um, and generally a type A person, I think my inherent nature is that of someone who is pretty quick to react, to become impatient, to shoot off my mouth or to make snap judgments. And yoga is a practice that has helped me become more aware of my own tendencies first and then create the space to slow down 
see what reactions are arising in me in response to any given stimulus, and then craft a more skillful way to respond, whether it's at work or with my husband or with a friend, whatever it is. So there's this space that the practice has given me that I think makes me a better version of myself as I walk through my life. Right, right, exactly. That sounds like something I need, believe me. (laughs) Most of us do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, how important do you feel yoga is for our times? I mean, you touched on this a few minutes ago. For the times we're living in now, it seems like we've lost touch with a lot of this kind of stuff. How important do you feel it is? Beyond essential. I think there are so many things happening in our modern world um, that challenge us on a personal, ethical, physical well-being, spiritual enlightenment standpoint. Everything from the comparing yourself to images you might see on social media, to the bombardment of news 24-7. I think it's also the pace of society. All of these things chip away at something that's so essential, which is really us taking the time to slow down, listen to our hearts, tap into whatever our highest values are, and then live those and share those with the world. I can't think of a time where that's been more in need than where we are today. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot to this, and there's so many questions that I would like to ask you, but you know, the show is only 30 minutes. So yes, um, people can get your book. So let's tell them the name of your book one more time. Absolutely. It's Radiate, R-A-D-I and the number eight, using the practice of yoga to cultivate your inner shine. The book is available on Amazon and it's also available. There's a link on my website, which is wwwyoga 8 the number eight book, yoga8book.com. I'm also available just using my name, Cindy Warren, on Facebook and Instagram. And I love to connect with people who have any interest in any of the topics we've been chatting about today. And I will put all those links in the show notes. So you can click on the show notes while you're listening to today's episode and go right to Cindy's um, website. Uh, Cindy, is there anything else that you feel that I didn't cover that you feel is important that you'd like to share with us? The only thing, I mean, I think you've done such a lovely, comprehensive job, Deanna. The only thing I would like to say is for people who might be intimidated by what they perceive yoga or yogis are or look like or are supposed to be, the practice is really a big tent affair. There's room in it for everyone, whatever your level of physical ability, spiritual engagement, intellectual pursuit, there's something there for everyone. So I I hope everyone gives it a try. Yeah, me too. And I definitely, after reading your book, I decided, because there's this really nice, highly recommended yoga studio here where I live, and it's only $10 to go. You know, they charge you $10 a a session. So I'm definitely going down there maybe today. I'm thrilled to hear that. (laughs) So the book is a must read for everybody in our stressful life today. This book is so, it explains everything to you. And I love the book. And I thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for being on today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Deanna. You're welcome.